everyone, and welcome to another edition of Link to the Cast, your, we sometimes try to be weekly, uh, dose of gaming news and other nerd culture ephemera. You've been doing lots of stuff with streaming and that, like so. Indeed. I am your party host. My name is Dave Ryan, joined on the couch by my usual co-hosts. First, he is the RPG wunderkind. It's Brian McNamara. Brian, welcome back to the show. You weren't on last week's episode, or... Yeah, you weren't. Yeah, you weren't on our special edition episode. Um, and to his right hand side, there, uh, it's the platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? I am not too bad. How's it going? Been a while. Yeah. Been a while. Would you stop? That? <laughs> That's two days. Every time. Every time, every time I get him with it, I did it on the Pokemon the, with the Pokemates. It, it hurts, hurts me. me. It hurts me inside. Does he not like it? He doesn't like it's it. It's a bad Been a while. Since I really bad song. But bad oh, songs make the best references. Yeah, it's a good time, man. It's a good time. Not when it comes to stage. Anyway, we're back. Yeah. Uh, we've been gone a while. Three weeks nearly. Since like um, we were on the outside. Since we've actually done no, fresh. No, since no, we... no, 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 no. Since, since we've done a new episode of the actual, the, the main canon link to the cast, we had our special edition pre-mania hype show, um, which we will be tagging up with a post-mania hypeless show. Uh, later on this week we had intended to record last night but that didn't go to plan owing to scheduling conflicts but how and ever we are here Mark it's been a tiring couple of weeks I'm so old don't want to get into it on this because like obviously we're going to have our giant size annual show to talk about that on Um, I'm old yeah we're old we're tired we're not built for crossing six time zones in a single bound Um, I'm not built for being left alone yeah how was uh, how was your because they're going to hear all about what we've been up to. How was how was your time being, Brian? Have you been up to much? Gone on many adventures. How was your time being, Brian? I went to the found a, found, myself yesterday. Found a baby swaddled on the doorstep. Decided to raise it as one of your own. Anything like that? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Okay. Was some wolves showed up. I was you, like, "Wow, you guys are more experienced than me." So you went I, to the picture house to see some talkies. I went to see some talkies. I played a lot of the division. I finally watched season five of Game of Thrones. Finally started watching season six of The Walking Dead. Well, let's let's reel back. Let's let's talk about your talkies. What talkies did you see? Well, the only thing that was on when I went down there, which was the. Um, Second Snow White film, the, the Snow, Snow White and the Huntsman, Snow White and the Huntsman, Winter's War, The Revengeance. <laughs> this time it's personal. Yeah, it is though. It's really personal this time. Okay, how was it? Um, all the better for not having Kristen Stewart. Um, kind of, if I had to give it a tagline, it would be if you thought Hemsworth's Scottish accent was bad in the first one, when you hear Jessica Chastain's. Yeah, this is the, this is the text I got from you. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's meant to be Scottish in the first one. Yeah, did you not pick that? No, they're supposed to be Northern Celtic. And do you not have you never heard someone try to who can't do a Scottish accent try to do a Scottish accent? Yeah, yeah. he's heard himself yeah. do a Scottish yeah. accent. That's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> All right. Mark Robinson, okay. he says I a lot, except I sound more Scottish than him. And then Jessica Chastain tries, and about every fourth word, she gets it spot on because she's clearly trained. But um. What's like uh, like uh, Jim Broadbent and Perrier's Bounty. Um, I remember watching that with Dan once and going, and we started watching the film and the, cred- the opening credits were rolling and I was like, there's something about Jim Broadbent's Irish accent in this I can't remember. It's either really good or really bad. <laughs> and it starts off and he says like, I think I think Killian Murphy's character's name is Michael or something and he says Michael in a flawless Irish accent and then it is fucking downhill from there into cartoony Lucky Charms accent after that. <laughs> what's what's worse or more offensive? Like doing an accent and being so bad at it that no one knows what accent you're trying to do or doing an a- accent 
a la kind of Tom Cruise where you kind of hit the peak of stereotype of that accent. You see, oh, it's so like like so bad it's indistinguishable, or so bad it might be racist. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you can always you can always tell like you well not always, but you can usually tell when someone's doing a racist accent. Yeah, because they're they they're usually accompanying kind of it with gesticulations as well. Or you can tell they're making fun of it. Like yeah. you know, when I tried to do an accent, somewhere like my eyes practically crossed with effort because I'm trying to get it right. Yeah. Um, so that's that's Winter's War in in short. Honorable mention to Charlie Theron for being probably the new Jeremy Irons of chewing the shit out of scenery. She is wall-eyed, crazy woman, scenery chewing. Oh, it's amazing. I do remember her being like that in the first one, which is not. She's even more in this one. It's not hard for her to chew the scenery when she's up against Christian Stewart in the first one, who has as much acting credibility and personality. She's up against Emily Blunt in this one. Okay. And Emily Blunt's pretty good in it, but like, oh, wall-eyed, fucking crazy, Charlie Strong. Oh, it's fantastic. Um. So yeah, crazy accents. Charlie Strong, good crazy. That would be your. That would be your review. Uh. Your Game of Thrones experience caught up on Game of Thrones now ahead of I think season six is out on this, this Sunday coming. Actually. Yeah. Um, how do you, I, how did you enjoy season five? It has its up, ups and downs. Yeah. Um, I think I said to you, and I said this is what was my thought at the time when it finished was um, worst season of Game of Thrones so far, still better than most TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I mean, there was lots of stuff I couldn't have given a shit about. Um, Let's not spoil. Oh yeah, but like because there was... there's gonna be one person who hasn't seen season <laughs> yeah. five yet. Who... Uh, it was me for a long time. Um, yeah. but you know, the, some of the stuff was really there was some really awesome stuff in there as well. Um, some of the stuff had already been spoiled for me, but didn't really care because I'm not emotionally invested in it because I've read the books. Yeah, as far as they go, some ahead of it. But this, this is the best way to review it. Are you hyped for season six now, or could you give a not shit? Not really. Couldn't give, still couldn't give a shit. That's not a great review, because <laughs> surely by the end of season five, you should want to immediately jump on the season six bandwagon. Um, shall we go with what we've been playing this week, gentlemen? Okay, playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Brian, what have you been playing this week? Pretty much one thing. Same thing I was playing last week, same thing I was playing the week before. You have a single-minded focus. Um, We've talked about the division at length on this show. Um, Have we? We've talked talked about it consistently anyway. I don't know if we've done a massive thing yet, especially because I'm only a couple hours into it still myself. Give us a um, spoiler-free, succinct update on your division experience. Without getting too kind of numbers heavy and yeah. stuff like that. The new update, yeah, bringing in the first incursion, Falcon Lost. Haven't in- done incursion is kind of like a raid. Kind of like a raid. It's yeah. more well from what I've seen from I've done a bit of research, clips I've seen, and reviews I've read. It's more like um, a new second to the map in which there is a massive wave defense mini game or mission. Okay. So from what I gather is you fight off waves and waves and waves of uh, high level enemies. Um, to wait for your pre-arranged op- opportunities to attach an explosive to an armoured personnel character and then you do that between every so many ra- waves until it's destroyed. Uh, that's basically what I got it is. Um, the whole scary difficulty curve of it, I haven't been particularly excited to go near it, mm-hmm. but I'm still having lots of fun going around grinding for high-level gear and that. 
Um, there's been improvements with that, I think, more significantly to the daily missions and challenges, which, and even the HUD, the interface, visuals and that, like, it all looks and moves a lot slicker when it works. Yeah. The new update has brought in hella bugs and glitches. Mm-hmm. Um, joining parties for repeating daily missions and that is really become hit and miss. Um, so you end up in deep underground, but also in the sky and folded in half. And you can hear other people doing things and getting achievements and kills, even though you're flying down but up. And yeah, lots of bug fixes. So need the to new be update done. has brought in an inception mode, basically. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay. But no, still incredibly different for me because it plays to all the things I love about RPG uh, type games. Okay. Um, and engaging the way that Destiny really isn't. Yeah. It seems a lot of people are drawing the comparison between it and Destiny a lot. And I can see And it seems to be it. like taking notes from where Destiny fucked up and trying to do similar things to Destiny but mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like trying to do a not fucked up as hell version of something Destiny did. See, the thing Including this idea of like a couple of months after you kind of refresh the fan base by, well it's not even a couple of months after, about a month after, by releasing the raid. Like uh, Destiny the... did it with Heart at Last. Or not, not Heart at Last, sorry, Vault of Glass. Mm. And they did it um, on the 12th, which was the exact same day that Destiny released its first raids or new content in six months to a year. Or yeah, well, you gotta you gotta think there's a big contest there because, like, Destiny, as much as we malign it on the show, um, it's hugely popular. Yeah, it actually does have like a it like when you look at it, it has a shockingly large player base for something that like you see almost no glowing reviews of. Mm. Um, but yeah, so still thumbs up for the division. Still going to be playing it for the next while. Yeah, because um, they've got new gear that I must have. Yeah, and you have nothing else on the horizon anyway before well, Witcher. I still haven't played any of um, the two first two DLC updates for Fallout 4. Ah, so, so, that's, so you have Wayside plenty of RPG shot. to keep you going before uh, Blood and Wine comes out in presumably May too or June. Much yeah, um, Mark. Hi. You've been playing mostly one game and a hell of a lot of it. Uh, Sixty-three hours. I want to say I'm up to. Tell us in a way that won't make us cry and sleep about Stardew Valley. All right, Stardew Valley. It, it really seems that Stardew Valley ticks all of those little, little things that I I forget that I am really drawn and addicted to when it comes to video games. Um. There's the obvious comparison that's been made to Harvest Moon, which is not a game that I've really spent any time with, so I'm mm-hmm. just going to presume that it has that comparison. But the two games that I have drawn the most comparisons to from my time of, time of playing it has been uh, Viva Piñata and Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. It's an incredible Venn diagram. I will get to the latter one in, in a moment. The, the Viva Pinata comparison. How much Viva Pinata have you two uh, had spent uh, on? Very little. I'm aware it's a thing. Yeah, all right, <laughs> very little. Okay. Very, very little. So, the general idea of Viva Pinata is uh, you start off, you have a garden, it you need to clear it out, uh, which teaches you the kind of rules and mechanics. Um, and then, basically, the game becomes a giant tick box of, all right, I need to breed all of these different types of animals or pinatas and I need to breed various different types or feed them different foods, and it's just one giant tick box, and you know, at the end of it, you have the achievement of getting every single breed, every single variation of that breed, mm-hmm. uh, have grown every plant. 
Stardew Valley is quite similar, but it also has so much more going on as well. This is like the fucked up way you play Pokemon. Yeah, it is. That's kind exactly is. what I'm saying. It's like kind now I can see the common threads that get you addicted to but, things. But the thing is, you're not doing it for competition. No, the thing with Stardew Valley and like you wake up at six o'clock every morning. Uh, so every day is about in in real time is between thirteen to fifteen minutes. Um, but the, the clock in the world stops if you go into like the imagery screen or anything like that. So usually it's anywhere between 15 to 17 minutes. You wake up at 6 o'clock and like I have my routine. I wake up at 6, I go straight to my chicken farm, I get all of the eggs, I um, uh, I have like three mayonnaise machines set up. So I get the eggs from the chickens, put them in the mayonnaise machine, I leave that, I'll come to pick them up the next morning. I go down to the barn, I pet, pet all my cows and my goats, and then I milk them, feed them hay. That gets me up to about 7.30. I then go to where my crops are, which I've set up in a, uh, at this point, 5x4 um, grid. I started off in my first year with a 3x3 three three grid. I'm now expanding it. I have sprinklers. I can get all these crops. Brian, you have your hand up. And at what point do you put the lotion in the basket? <laughs> because this, I, like, I mean, oh, okay. I get well addicted into the grind and things like that me playing something like Age of Empires or remember when I first started playing Minecraft and the quest to find the coal yeah and like I'll get well sucked in in that but I won't necessarily be able to recite shit off like that that's but because you do it every single morning like I have my routine and this is where the whole Majora's Mask thing comes in as well also there's a Minecraft element you do have crafting you have um, like a pickaxe and a sword and you can upgrade those through various manners you craft wood and stone and make like gates and, and whatever else there are 28 non-playable characters within Stardew Valley uh, your village is it's very much like that you know it's a very small town community and this cat oh my god sorry our, anyway, our cat is scaling the door of the, po- of the podcast like yeah you have this you have this small small town community and when you first come to Stardew Valley uh you are one of your quests you're given is to go and introduce yourself to every member of this community. So you go to find everyone, and then you quickly realise that they don't stay in one place. You know they have their routines that they they do. So I didn't find everyone for at least the first kind of good six months, um, which I mean that was partly on me because I was doing other side quests as well. Like there's a mine that you go down and you uh, collect rocks and slay enemies and. There's all that. Um, so yeah, it took me about a good six months. And then in Majora's Mask, you have uh, three days that you do over and yeah. over again. Groundhog Day. And within those three days, you learn about the habits and the stories and the routines of the people in, in Clocktown. And so you get to a point that you can remember where certain people are on any given day. Stardew Valley works quite similar. Uh, there are some variants. So there's a woman called Haley. And on several days of the week, she likes to go and do some photography. So you know that she's going to be in the park on certain days. In the spring, the summer and the autumn. But in the winter, she'll usually be in bed. So you know if you need to find her, you can go and find her there. So you can use these habits. Like there's a guy that goes to the shop. He walks past there at 8.30 every morning. Which is when I'm waiting to get into the shop to go and buy seeds. So I can go and see him if I need to. And the reason that you need to bet these routines is that uh, every player, every non-playable character, there's a, like a heart system, and you can get these characters up to ten hearts. Uh, and the way that you become friends with these people is you give them gifts, whether it is 
beer or uh, jewels or flowers. But each of these characters have different gifts that they like. Uh, but there's also gifts that they don't like. So you then, you know, you play a guessing game of giving them gifts and seeing what characters like certain things. But other characters in the town, like family members, will tell you, oh, they like this, they don't like this. So you can kind of put a, a kind of puzzle together. And as you become friends with more people, you learn more of the kind of story of these characters. And there's actually some, like, interesting um, dynamics between, uh, like, the scientist father talking about how he wants his daughter to kind of focus on the studies and doesn't want her to, you know, get distracted by men. <laughs> hint, hint, you, as you're kind of grooming her. Because there's five men. Yep. Whoa! Yep. Whoa! 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 Yep. Rethink that thought. I would, I would maybe not use the word grooming in light of recent big media stories. Alright, she's like 20. She's in her 20s. Let's just I move would still not use along. grooming. Would, anyway. Let's move swiftly. I would along. say courting. Courting. Yeah. Alright, All right. okay, fine. That's yeah. Super it's also, you know, the actual word. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> courting. But are we used to talking about Majora's Mask or sorry? It, well, it went very U tree there for a second. But the key thing is is that you learn about the characters and these characters actually they they are what bring the game to life because um, you know they are the villagers in the town and they are the people that you interact with every day so when you start the game uh, you don't really care about any of them you're not too interested but as you have to use these characters to learn about like new recipes that you need and um, you know there's the blacksmith in town who will kind of upgrade your armour and, and weapons or whatever. As you become friends with him and give him gifts, you know, you get more of his story. And it just, it brings the game to life, you know, mm. that you don't expect when you first begin. Yeah. And 62, 63 hours later, there's still so much that I haven't discovered about the game yet. As much as I can read the passion off you for this game, there is, I, I know, even after your glowing review, of no inclination towards, like, it just sounds like, Rural England, the video game. Kind like it of. Sounds, it sounds like it sounds yeah. like Emmerdale, an interactive video no, game experience. It, you're not, you're not far off. Like, there's a couple of like mystical, magical elements that I haven't encountered too much or have kind of delved too far Can into. You, that. Hadouken? you can't Hadouken, no. And yeah, like the way that it is described you can't help but think of something like that you know there's like a fucking mini fishing game and there's a couple of events in the year where you have like the great egg hunt and yeah, it just feels to me like very much kind of I can see the Harvest Moon comparison and I can see oh, yeah. people also compare it a bit to Animal Crossing yeah the difference is though like, and with, like neither of those games are for me with Animal Crossing aren't they both games that make people go strange with, with Animal Crossing well, and Harvest Moon it certainly sounds like it <laughs> With Animal Crossing and Harvest make Moon, me go strange if I as, as far as I'm aware, is you can only do so much in one day, and then you kind of have to wait till the next day to kind of start over again. Yeah. With this, like I'll sit down to to do like one day just to do a few bits and pieces, and then suddenly it's four hours later. You know, you can do as much as you want. Like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, I just burying the show he's on. It's not. It's. I have a checklist of all this stuff that I need to do and like you know I have the Steam achievements and, and everything that I need to do and it's all achievable by just okay I need to grow all of the different types of crops I need to you know become friends with everyone I need to get married and it's like I'm I'm worried for me because I can easily get myself up to 100 hours <laughs> yeah. before I finish this game yeah um, uh, yeah. okay so that's Stardew Valley it comes with a Mark Robinson recommends then yeah 
but uh, beware because you might disappear into the game if you're of a certain well uh, I mean that's probably more to do with my addictive personality more than anything else yeah um Mark, you've been playing a couple of other games uh, with yes. myself. Yeah, I have. You've somehow found the time. I have, yeah. Uh, since I've been back. Um, the Doom Open now. Beta. The Doom Open Beta. You want to talk about a game of two halves. Mm-hmm. First half. Um, Thought about a second. Yeah. Um, you weren't feeling that at the start. No, look. I was kind of I the way I approached this was it was the Doom Open Multiplayer Beta Weekend uh, this weekend just gone, and we played a bit. We played some death matches and some whatever that fucking territory control thing was that you had to go at for a while. Yeah. Um. The way the way I approached it was firstly, um, I am unlikely to ever play multiplayer when the game comes out. I like Doom. I like playing it on my own, as we will talk about later. Um. So I was going into it just going, look, I'll just be happy to be back in the Doom setting. Uh, so I was kind of like, the first half when you weren't feeling that, I was coasting through on the nostalgia of the setting, if not your character, feels very Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the avatars themselves were like something out of Destiny or Halo. Weird space marine crap. Yeah, bright colours. But the actual, like the arenas, the settings were very Doom. Uh, like especially the first one which were like you didn't you weren't there for the first map Brian you walked in about halfway through that playthrough but the first map was very doomed there was a lot of lot of Satan stuff a lot of blood pouring out of walls and stuff pentagrams all the usual doom tropes Um, yeah your your thoughts on the doom beta and where it just took a left into awesome well like as I was saying on our video recording of it what I was hoping for did you check out on YouTube which you can check out on YouTube forward slash link to the cast. No, nope, uh, that's I, not our YouTube. We, no, we do not have one. We do not have a proper YouTube address. I don't mean. Uh, yeah. Well, you can still. You'll find us there. Just type in link <laughs> to the cast. It'll be there. What I was hoping for was a, uh, a kind of replacement substitute for the arena shooters of the day, your Quakes, your Unreal Tournaments. Because I'm a big fan of them. I really like them. And as I was explaining, they're the kind of games that reward you for investing the time in them to get better at the maps, getting better with the weapons. Um, you know, you might start off with a pea shooter, but you have to learn the maps to find where the weapons are and uh, get better that way. A lot of games these days, a lot of first-person shooters, uh, the multiplayers, parts of those games, reward you by uh, just yeah, how much spend time you spend with them, not necessarily how good you get at them. Obviously, there is places to improve but you know you get your xp you get different um packs and whatever and i just that's not my style of playing it's just that's the way things are now and the new do multiplayer plays very much like a shall we say call of duty mm. these days um the actual gameplay you know it works fine the arenas moves nice and quick that's what I like. Moves nice and quick. The arenas... Res- respawn is quick. Yeah, respawn is quick. The arenas do feel like arenas that I would play back in a Quake 3 on Unreal. So they are... They're, they're kind of... Uh, they're they're not big, they're not small, and they're nice and labyrinthine that it's hard to find somebody. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm on board with that. Uh, it's just... It's all of the, the tropes that you associate with modern FPSs that I don't particularly enjoy. But, you know, whatever... I guess it's not for me. But I have seen quite a few complaints of a, a similar ilk. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of people that like Doom that were hoping for something along the lines of Doom, Quake, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 
I was saying just completely different to a lot of the other modern FPSs out there. Kind of hoping that Doom would do to <coughs> its own franchise what, say, uh, Wolfenstein The New Order did yeah. to the Wolfenstein series. Like, completely one. rejuvenated it. Yeah. Uh, set it in a kind of modern-day kind of, like, game context. Electric Nazis. But at the same time, completely reinvented its own wheel. Yeah. Like, it was completely different, but also bared many similar... But, I mean, obviously, this is an open beta that was simply there just to kind of showcase the, the multiplayer. And presumably stress test the servers. That as well. Like, in terms of how it plays, like, it's got me hyped up to play some Doom single-player, yeah. you know? So it's, it's achieved. It's, it's achieved goal. that. In terms of wanting to spend any time on the multiplayer, probably not. But with that said, there was the one key mechanic that it it showed off that we might... You're damn right it did. You're oh. damn right it did, where uh, you step into this pentagram shape and it transmogrifies you into this demon that's on the cover of the... If you see on the... PlayStation Store or the the Xbox Store, yeah. The the cover for Doom, this massive demon with the two cannons over its shoulders, zombie with, with zombie hands and a jetpack. It turns you into that for like a minute or something like that. It's like if a you, minute and a half, or until you get killed. If you give a slightly off kill to twelve year old a, a bunch of pens and pencils and artistic talent, and say draw something, whatever comes to your mind, that's what you'll get. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, I was running around, I was jetpacking away, shooting rockets, blowing limbs off people and boy howdy were we having fun yeah I enjoyed for a few that. minutes there when that started coming into when that little element started coming into things it was fun in a way that like um Battlefront tries to do the same with your power ups to become Vader and mm-hmm. stuff like that and with everyone but Vader and maybe Luke I would say they fail to achieve that yeah. when you're Vader and Luke it's good times mm-hmm. um but yeah, it was just good to be a monster, go around and have like, there are people pursuing you and then you step into this pentagram, you become the monster and suddenly everyone's running away from you frantically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. The, it's that, Pac-Man for 2016. Yeah, it was great times. Uh, the other game uh, we were playing together, Mark, uh, super hot on PC. The uh, first person shooter puzzle game. Yeah, that's the best where way to describe it. It's not really a first person shooter but it is where you kind of have to get through a level by defeating all enemies but time only moves when you move mm. um, tell us a bit about your super hot experience do you know what it reminds me a lot of is Hotline Miami in that you if Hotline Miami is a shooting game if you will but it also has that puzzle element of where you kind of map out the route of how you want to get around the room to kill everyone and Superhot has that, it's just the mechanic that it uses is completely different. And yeah. I really like the approach of, okay, um, you know, as you start a level and you have maybe eight enemies in the room and they kind of, you get them one by one and you find different ways to approach killing each enemy. You know, if you throw the gun, then uh, the gun is gone and you can't use it again. You only have a limited amount of bullets. So like when you have maybe eight enemies, you have to... Uh, figure out like how many of the enemies do I want to begin trying to kill by punching them then grab the gun then try to take a couple of enemies out and there are multiple kind of ways of how you want to approach any of the levels and I like that it's it's got a very limited scope in what I feel it can do I mean I, I think it's only a couple of hours long um, and I know that it came from like a kind of 48 hour game jam or, or something along those lines Yeah. but like as a concept it's a really cool thing um, 
the the kind of visual style of it with the um, the hell is it AES style? I can't remember what they call it now, but that old CRT monitor style setup. Yeah, it's cool. We're getting to a point now where that's become. It, we've kind of gone full circle and like retro and old school is cool and, and hip and trendy yeah. and now we're... I still think my, my favourite use of that kind of CRT monitor effect uh, is still her story from last year I still I haven't played it yet yeah but... you've, you've got to sit down I've got to sit you down yeah, yeah, yeah. Up on the PC so it's, it's cool like I, I can't you can't knock it for being original inventive and and doing something very very stylish stylish challenging yeah um, it doesn't. It gets very convoluted in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't have a particularly kind of long-lasting appeal. But like, if it's something that ends up on the PS4 yeah. store, on I don't. Like, I don't imagine it has a huge amount of replay value because it seems like once you figure out the puzzle, because there seems to be only a very finite amount of ways you can like skin a cat in it. It is something that you could literally spend a, an evening with, get everything you need out of the game, and then never come back to it but still yeah. enjoy it for what it is yeah still have a good experience in the yeah. meantime um, I've been playing a couple of games on top of those um, I kind of got a couple of games off the uh, off my disturbingly lengthy backlog mm-hmm. last week uh, beat Halo 5 mm-hmm. uh, my succinct review on Twitter being uh, it is fun to shoot space things with space guns in space yeah um don't really care about Halo lore but it was like it was fun it was silly it was I have sci-fi. no idea what Halo lore would be at this point but there's like there's there's novels and stuff isn't there there's like there's an expansive live Halo action lore. TV yeah stuff. forward onto dawn all like, that uh, CGI stuff like as reach. far as I was aware like Halo the end of Halo 3 completes that circle and by the fact that then another Halo game, with Halo 4 another one started then it, it kind of breaks the whole point of what the original series trilogy was yeah yeah but in isolation Halo 5 uh, is a good time it's does it incorporate anything new or is it just more you see, but you see I have very limited experience with the series so okay. I can't tell you for sure no. I can tell you it is immediately recognisable as a Halo game and it isn't completely throwing the baby out with the batwater and restarted mm-hmm. but at the same time what I will say over other Halo games and and being able to resist some of the modern shooter tropes is a lot brighter, quicker, and more colourful than you would have expected. It is, like, it is it very... It's very... No, even more so, like, in terms of, like, the, like, fluorescent bright colours and stuff like that, I know there are different, because I have played some of each of them, and I know there are different kind of, like, environments where there are different colour palettes and stuff like that, but this one, this really, like... And partly, probably because this is the first one rendered in like as close to 1080p as the Xbox One can manage, yeah. that it just like it really pops much better than the old ones. Yeah. Um, and again, because of like the the big floaty jump and stuff like that, which is introduced, I think some of it was introduced in Halo Four, but it's kind of it's the there was deliberate because there was controversy over before it came out about like the dashing and the the big jumping and stuff like that. Like the new was it movies. was it going to ruin? Um, Halo and for for me for the guy who's just casual and not like heavily invested in it I think that really helped to be honest because it felt cool to be able to like dash around uh, from cover to cover to be able to jump really high up in the air like and when you're really high in the air if you hit aim you kind of stall in midair mm-hmm. like with your thrusters and you're able to aim from up above as you're kind of arcing across and that's that's a good time um, the story is kind of inconsequential like I think with most with 
the vast majority of first person shooters the stories are usually inconsequential it's all about the gameplay and the gameplay is absolutely fine it's is absolutely it, sound and it's a uh, it's easy to play is it a single player that I mean easy to play in terms of mechanics not uh, it's challenging yeah is it a single player that you um, that you do play on your own or can you have can you there's, no local, there's no local there's no local co-op or multiplayer at all because that's, that's kind of the big thing at the moment, just to sort of shoehorn that in. Yeah, that was one of the big things people said about Halo 5 that they didn't like, was that there's no... like. Whereas myself and Brian, when we were playing the MasterChef collection, as I like to call it, uh, a few months ago, uh, we were able to do split-screen co-op. There's none of that in this yeah. one. Yeah, on the first kind three. of annoyed people, yeah. Um, but uh, that being said, it's still like, a, I think it's about a 10 to 12 hour campaign. Mm-hmm. And I played it on, I either played it on hard or normal, I can't remember. Um, Halo 2 was the high point. And <laughs> it's good, it's real good. Like, and it's, I think by most, like if I remember the reviews when it came out, it is, most people agree, probably the best one since too. If you have an Xbox One, you might as well play it. You might as well, there's limited enough, um, console exclusives there I watched them play a bit of it not even once did I hear the original Halo music (laughs) but again it's a thing where like first person shooters uh, like you were watching like first person shooters are well I find anyway always dull to watch and that's part of the whole sadness that the local co-op is out of it Mm. that if you're with somebody you can't really play Halo because again like just watching someone shoot stuff with other stuff Unless, like me, you're screaming trash talk at the screen when you're shooting Sounds a bunch time. of shooting a bunch of aliens. Like otherwise, it's not really that entertaining because you've seen one battle, you've kind of things. seen them all. Um, speaking of Xbox Xbox exclusives, also been playing um, a little bit of Sunset Overdrive, and I'm not going to um, dwell on that any longer. I do love that game. It is currently free on Games with Gold this month. If people want to know if late in that game it is still as bizarre as possible. I am currently in the middle of a mission where I am hosting a rock benefit for sick kids who are being looked after by Day of the Dead painted cheerleaders. And for this mission, I have recruited the lead singer of the Melvins. All right. That is Sunset Overdrive in a nutshell. Moving on. Also speaking of Xbox One console, I've spent a lot of time with the Xbox One this week. I have started, played, and completed Quantum Break. What is Quantum Break? Because up to this point, I have no idea what Quantum Break is. Right, Quantum Break is a third-person, cover-based shooter action game with time manipulation elements. So, Gears of War with time manipulation? No, it moves much quicker than Gears of War. It does not move with the weighty slowness that, as Brian remembers, I don't really... Yeah, they're not... yeah. Yeah. it doesn't move like you are like uh, oh, no. whichever rational that is, is definitely you aren't one. running from cover to cover like you're a roll cage full of cinder blocks like Marcus <laughs> Phoenix right, <laughs> right. you're able to do it nice and quickly um, it incorporates um, a lot of motion capture it incorporates some live action elements between each act there is a 20 to 25 minute episode of Quantum Break because this was originally their plan was to release uh, when they were doing the full on the Xbox TV studios thing they were going to release the series in parallel with the game and now the kind of two have meshed together so what is the Um, the live action is that baked onto the disc 
Yeah, uh, no, it's streamed, or you have the option if you if your streaming is bad to download the episodes, uh, which is like something like seventy five gigs. <laughs> what I can pleasantly report about the what? like if both of those options are no good to you, the largely speaking, the live action stuff is about the kind of the B and C plots going on. It fills in the universe nicely. But it is not utterly essential to understand what is going on. So is there? So if you had no internet connection whatsoever, so you can't stream or download yeah. the show, you still won't feel like you've missed out on a huge amount. So is there in-game slash pre-rendered cutscenes? Yes, there are as well. Okay. Um, they kind of like tie things together within the act, and then kind of almost as a divider between like there's five acts to the game. Mm-hmm. So as a divider between every act, there's like a twenty-minute episode right. of this show. Um, I. Go on, yeah. like, what is it about? Um, right, okay. So the main characters in it, you uh, are Sean Ashmore, star of... You, X-Men? Uh, yeah, Iceman. Iceman, Iceman and Iceman, X-Men. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the character you play. He, um, His brother, played by Dominic Monaghan, one mm-hmm. of the hobbits, yeah. um, is a scientist researching like quantum physics and stuff like that. And... He, him and their friend, played by Aidan Gillen, who for once is capably able to stay in accent for more than a minute, <laughs> um, figure out time travel. Okay. But something goes wrong. Don't want to get too much into it. Something goes wrong that basically triggers a chain reaction that is going to lead to the end of time. Okay. Right. Now, in this accident that happens, this is where you and Aidan Gillen, who becomes the uh, the antagonist of the game, uh, gain powers of manipulation over time. And they vary between you. Um, like, what are the basic powers that uh, Sean Ashmore has? He is able to cast uh, a shield that freezes bullets in midair mm-hmm. so that you don't get harmed, mm-hmm. so that you're able to kind of, because your, your health obviously like recovers if you aren't hit for a while. Yeah, yeah. So it's handy to throw up the shield and not get hit if you're not near cover. Um, you're also able to throw a time bubble which freezes people in midair. You're, and in one of the coolest parts of that is that you are then able to empty a clip into the bubble. The bullets hold in midair until the bubble times out and then all the bullets hit the enemy at once. Okay. So for the heavier enemies, you can use that time bubble uh, to hit them with one large shot and take them down in one rather than try to like get up, get a couple of rounds off them and hide again. It's a much more efficient way like all these powers as well act on a cooldown. There isn't kind of you don't get top ups for the power. They're on a cooldown, and the okay. cooldown is, I wouldn't say generous, but it's not punishing either. Like, and what like what kind of enemies like? Is um, this so it's within... there is this 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 company that Aiden Gillen is the head of called Monarch, who are the again the antagonists of this are trying to um, use what's called the Lifeboat Protocol, which is a thing that he that. Um, your character's brother had developed to save people from when the end of time happens to insulate some people against it. This is all very weird, high concept sci-fi stuff. Um, some of it actually, like, it actually, I may not be doing this a good job. It actually does come off well in the thing. Like you actually do get invested in it. But uh, basically, nice. basically, these evil guys have stolen uh, um, this stuff from your brother. Your brother, who is um, like the last time you see him, he gets buried under rubble, okay. dies right. right. 
um, and you are going avenging him and trying to save the world because this lifeboat protocol, if it is used correctly, can save everybody. Mm-hmm. But this evil company are just trying to save themselves and select other people so that your man, Aidan Gillen, can basically be the, you know, in charge of this yeah, new yeah, world yeah. after the end of time. Um, the other powers you have, there is eventually you unlock like a time dash, which is awesome, mm-hmm. where you're able to like, time basically freezes and you dash to a room and helps you get through doors it helps you also like disarm enemies by doing an awesome kind of like matrix style jump up and knock them out and disarm them and stuff like that um are we talking like standard weapons as well yeah standard kind of like you know assault rifles uh projectiles things like that like pistols um there's also like the kind of i appreciate that the way enemies are gradually introduced to the game that later on in the game you there are enemies that have what are called chronon suits which make them immune to your time powers Mm -hmm. so you basically it forces you to adapt to make sure that there you're not kind of like relying on your time manipulation and you're not relying on just the guns that you have to kind of get adept at using every single thing like for example like say in the witcher brian you know, you, for example, would relied heavily on using Quen to cast your shield throughout the whole game. And there was never, there was rarely an excuse for you to try and branch out and use the other ones largely in combat. You were Quen all the way. This game won't let you do that. Like, if you like using well, the time I'm bubble... To, this game, then. If you like using the time bubble to freeze people, that's not always going to work. Because, again, there's going to be those guys who are immune to it. Yeah. So you're going to have to figure out different ways to skin a cat. Right. Um... <sighs> what else about it like it's it's only about eight to ten hours the whole campaign all the way through the difficulty the difficulty curve spikes up nicely that it actually is quite challenging by the end even on normal um there are some collectible elements that for some people who want to get all the achievements and stuff like that they may get replay value out of it i didn't necessarily feel the need to go back to it um i was quite satisfied with what i had um the live action stuff is actually pretty well acted so is the motion capture um, the, the pre-rendered stuff that's kind of that you don't have to stream that's actually on the disc um, the cast is great it's well acted top to bottom um, and the story like as far as those kind of like all time all things to do with time travel are slightly wacky and there's a certain amount of there's always going to be plot holes with time travel no one really ever gets it right uh, you're, there is a certain amount of suspension <laughs> of dis- there is a certain amount even with Back to the Future of suspension of disbelief yeah where you are just going to have to say to yourself, some things in here are going to contradict each other things, but just go along for the ride and just enjoy the story that's being told. And for that, I really liked it. I really think the way they portray the time manipulation and the Cronon stuff um, is really, really cool. Uh, I think it all looks really good. Um, I was, I was interested as to this does not look close to 1080p. Now, I know that very few games on Xbox One get that close, but this looked like this looked like a really good Xbox 360 game uh-huh. and not a really good Xbox One game. That was the kind of resolution I was dealing with. Now, part of it could have been down to the TV I was playing it on. I wasn't playing it on my TV here. Uh, I was playing it on a, a slightly lower-grade TV, so I r- reserve the right to be wrong about that. <laughs> Um, if someone yells at me about it and I won't find out on PC because that is apparently a garbage truck on fire <laughs> um, that no one can get to work um, but the frame rate holds and everything like that there's no performance issues with it or, um, 
Yeah, it's a good game. It's yeah. a pretty good game. Again, it's one of those things where if you have an Xbox, you might as well buy it. I'm. It's not a system seller by any stretch of the imagination. It's not the one that's going to make people go, holy fuck, I have to buy an Xbox. As you said... That's, to me, what Sunset Overdrive is. Sunset Overdrive is the most unique and brilliant experience on that console still. It's the it's the high watermark for me. Well, as you said to me this week, it's like it's the Mad Max of this year. Yeah, it's the best 7 out of 10 game I might play this year. Yeah. Like It is definitely so far this year the best 7 out of 10 game I'll play. Right. might even be a 7.5 or an 8. Well, Give us yeah. an interview that uses the words wibbly wobbly timey wimey. <laughs> it's in short, it's a very good game. If you have an Xbox One, there's no reason why you shouldn't play it at some stage. Um, apparently, like there's already like good offers going on on it for like trade-ins and stuff like that. Yeah. If you're trading other stuff against it, so you might like again. There's so little to play on Xbox One that's exclusive. You might as well if you have time, especially because it's not going to take up that much of your time. You'll have beaten it in time to get good trade-in value yeah, on it yeah. again if you just want to get rid of it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Quantum Break. You don't have any more like because you 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 said you before we did this that you had questions for me about Quantum Not, Break. I've, I've, I've hit all the all the key points. You've, you've, you've yeah, given me said a, wibbly wobbly timey wimey though. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. You give me a clearer picture of what that game actually is now. So. Cool. I'm glad to be of service. Good. To the news. News on the mark. I. For once on this show, have breaking news. Oh. Hot, steaming off the presses. That sounds like it's going to be bad news. In a leak given to Eurogamer from a GameStop circular that is due to be released tomorrow. Batman Arkham HD Trilogy. Oh. A GameStop employee has been sending pictures of the unannounced anthology to Eurogamer. It is going to go on... Uh, for pre-orders tomorrow April 19th (laughs) yeah April 19th and the game is due to hit shelves on the 10th of June Um, Warner Brothers still have not commented like this is literally minutes old as I'm reading this like it was in the middle of our playing this week that this popped up on my screen Um, but it's Eurogamer have verified it it is legitimate so um it's going to have all three Arkham games. Oh, no, sorry. My apologies. The first two Arkham games. Uh, complete with D- all DLC packs for both titles. So, that could be a good time. Yeah. I certainly would like to play a gussied up version of the first one anyway. Not so hot on the second one. But I would definitely like to play Arkham Asylum again. That is among the best games I have played in many years. Yeah. So that, that's a good time. I was pleasantly surprised by that. Ah, uh, I'm not too surprised. I'm going to pee quickly. Well, I was pleasantly surprised that it's coming out this quickly. When, wait, when's it out? It is out June 10th. So look, I'll put this one. Pre orders go live tomorrow. Put it like so this. less than two months. It might it might be the HD bundle we deserve, but it's not the one I need right now. Hey, there we go. I need Bioshock. <laughs> Mon Kenna Vine, make that shit happen. Red Dead Redemption has been the talk of the town the last week or so it's been a talk of about the last five years indeed uh, it looks like we are finally getting a sequel or perhaps prequel to Rockstar's Red Dead Redemption yeah um, in a map in the, the the evidence for this comes in the form of a map so the map 
for this alleged Red Dead 2 was posted on NeoGAF uh, early last week, so be, about a week and a half ago now, before being pulled offline. Tech Radar then posted a clearer version of the map uh, after it was verified by a well-placed source within Take 2. Uh, Rockstar has yet to announce the Red Dead Redemption redemption sequel but developer has previously hinted the product was in production you know with the the press or not with the ongoing with, pr- permanent franchise yes permanent with the permanent franchise thing in that in that presser um so interesting things have been noted by this some people have divined that perhaps based on the map uh, i haven't really read thoroughly about it that it is actually going to be a prequel to red dead redemption rather than a sequel um so that could be interesting the other part is centers around a very interesting area here um in the map new bordeaux uh which i don't know if that has any significance but that is apparently the place in which the mafia games take place oh, or at least one of the mafia games okay. um the thing that so people are saying me, like you know joined universe sort of yeah thing. well the thing that interests me about all of this is uh so like i guess you can kind of stack this news on top the whole 150 million uh lawsuit mm. going on at the moment with Leslie Benzies. Yeah, it's gone all daytime soap. Yeah, now, basically, Leslie Benzies is, uh, for many people, the guy that basically put, took all of the ideas from, um, uh, what are their names? Um, who are the brothers? What are their names? What I can't think of them. The Hauser brothers. That's it. He basically takes all of their ideas and kind of makes it actually work. You yeah. know, he's the one that kind of takes everything under the bonnet and tinkers it and, and is the programmer. And a lot of that also, you know, there was news apparently about how Rockstar and uh, Red Dead was like just an absolute broken mess up until a couple of months before release and he came in and kind of fixed it all together. Yeah. With this all going on now, I'm very intrigued to see how a game post... Um, uh, post Lazy Benzies kind of works without him so I mean I'm interested I mean I, I Red Dead Redemption was by far my favourite game of the last generation mm-hmm. uh, easily easily but I'm curious to see how this is going to pan out without him um, and also just like how the how's your brothers are going to kind of get by with this sort of distraction on the side, you know, mm. if this kind of takes place alongside the development yeah. of this game. And the story Mark's referring to is, uh, this is from Eurogamer, uh, former president of Rockstar North, Leslie Benzies, is officially suing Take-Two Interactive, the parent, their parent company, yeah. for $150 million. <laughs> According to Benzies' legal team, the company deceived him by terminating his contract while he was on sabbatical, Without telling him, and owes him one hundred and fifty million in unpaid royalties. Um, this is after Benzies having left the company in January, having gone uh, on sabbatical after the release of GTA Five in September twenty fourteen. Um, since then, Rockstar has then responded with a statement that dismisses allegations made by Benzies in the lawsuit, and has now agreed to counter sue. Uh, for these allegedly slanderous allegations. Uh, Their statement says, Leslie Benzies was a valued employee of our company for many years. Sadly, the events that culminated in his resignation ultimately stem from his significant performance and conduct issues. Despite our repeated efforts to address and resolve these issues amicably, both before and after his departure, Leslie has chosen to take this route in an attempt to set aside contract terms 
to which he previously agreed on multiple occasions. His claims are entirely without merit and in many instances downright bizarre, and we are very confident that this matter will be resolved in our favour. A core ethos since Rockstar's inception has been the concept of the team. It is deeply disappointing and simply wrong for Leslie to attempt to take personal credit for what has always been the tremendous efforts of the entire Rockstar team, who remain hard at work delivering the most immersive and engaging entertainment experiences we can for our fan. We do not intend to comment further on this matter. Which is a fairly decisive burial of young Benzies there. I cannot wait to see some of the transcripts and statements that come out. Oh, it's going to yeah, it's gonna put uh, Hogan versus Gawker to oh, shame. No the, the fire that is going to be thrown in the courtroom if it makes it that far. Um, but yeah, still, very interesting. Um, looking forward to Red Dead. Because story. I think we're used to, within the game industry, we're used to people being cut loose from studios and NDAs covering up the whole thing and people never really finding out what was going on. Like Two guys from Infinity Ward. Uh, Amy Hennig from Naughty Dog yeah. being thrown off in the middle of production of Uncharted 4 mm-hmm. and then bringing in The Last of Us guys and no one ever saying anything about uh-huh. it again Hideo Kojima uh, could, well, we'd kind, well we kind of know what happened there but I would still love the fly on the wall documentary about Konami yeah, but he careering off he a cliff say. on fire yeah he can't bury them under NDA but we kind of have a good idea that they just they don't want to make games anymore and to be fair <laughs> they want to make pachinko his, machines his next game will be a burial of Konami it in will some form yeah of it'll be just called hashtag fuck Konami yeah. <laughs> it'll be a dual tactical espionage except... operations <laughs> um, yeah so that's Rockstar looking forward to Red Dead 2 I'm assuming because they've said they're going to be at it they're going to be at E3 this year yeah, two, sure. Take Two have said there's going to be a significant presence. Sure, now, people up till now had assumed that was going to be like the single player DLC for GTA and the Bioshock HD collection. Look, I don't presume anything at E3 until I'm watching E3 and yeah. whatever. Which yeah. is going to be a good and fun time this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Titanfall 2 is the thing that's happening. Giant Swords. Yes. Um, so, great things about Titanfall 2 so far Giant Swords. Uh, going to be on every console. Yep. And going to have a single player, which yep. is my favourite part of all that. Well, look, a bunch like of giant swords. Way, way back in yesterday times, when I was trying to decide what next gen console I was going to buy, mm-hmm. and I was looking at that Titanfall game and going, ooh, that looks good. And they said, oh, yeah, by the way, there's no single player. And I said, oh, how about that PlayStation then? <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, that was profoundly disappointing for Titanfall, and I think was part of. Uh, what hobbled it apart from you know being on Xbox yeah I, when that was like that came out right in the middle of the shit storm when as, they were still trying to claw back their reputation from that as, previous E3 as someone who isn't into the whole kind of modern multiplayer first person kind of scene uh, yeah I you still, hate people it's on record I still looked at some of that Titanfall footage um, when also trying to make a decision about what next gen console I was going to buy and I was like yeah, I'd like a little bit of that, but then just clearly saw that uh, the content available was not up to snuff. It wasn't worth it. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I still remain interested. Like, and someday when I finally get around to buying an Xbox One, so you know, mm. I can become one of those people who yeah. have all the consoles. Hi Dave. Uh, hi Dave. Um, yeah, I'm gonna lay my hands on Titanfall. Yeah, definitely. Well, Even the first well, one, just I, to see what it's like. You see, the problem with that is by what some people would say, the servers are kind of deserted now. That yeah. it's, a, it's very hard to find a match on it. Um, uh, I don't know never if that's mind the, then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the Xbox One version or Xbox 360 version. I know at least on one version it's kind of, a, it's kind it's of a wasteland. The, if it's not the 360 version. Um, but yeah, it's coming. 
Tenfold 2 I would be very interested in that yeah, I'm um, just glad it's happening yeah so wait and see um, there's a lot of very talented people that work there you could see like a lot of love went into that but the decision whoever made that decision uh, to not have a single player campaign should have been escorted at the back of the building and shot mm-hmm. um, because I think that really didn't help at all um, since our last podcast there has been a massive update to the PlayStation 4 um, version 3.50 oh which has included, uh, I think, one of my favourite features so far, appearing offline. Oh, you're going to give away the secret now, man. Yeah, you can appear offline now, which was something that the PS3 had a long time ago, obviously. And now I can kind of game in peace without kind of getting different notifications from people. like because You know who you are. But no, well, no the <laughs> thing is, like, it's not that I, there's people I'm ducking or anything like that. Like, I wouldn't add people to my friends list if I didn't want to play with them at some stage. But you know, everybody has that time where, like, I just want to log on play a game of FIFA, do something in the division, log off, and I don't want to talk to anybody in the meantime because I'm listening to podcasts or I have TV on in the background or something like that. Tough being popular. It is. Wow. It's, you know, it's tough at the top, my. What can I say? But like you, you've you experienced that as well. Like where There are just times you just want to have a single-player experience. You don't want people bothering That's you. That's my with, life. Yeah, <laughs> you, but you don't want to be bothered with... with with invites and feel like you're being ignorant by ignoring them do you know what I mean Mm. so like by appearing offline nobody's feelings are hurt so that's a cool feature until they listen to this podcast USB music player has returned so external USB drives with music on them is now once again supported we're part of the way to uh, getting back to where PS3 was where you could natively put uh, mp3s on and play them off and like obviously there's not as much of an impetus to do that what with spotify the spotify app being absolute I, I haven't praised that before on this show the spotify app on playstation is great i think it's it's better than the phone app yeah it's really good it's so good it's Especially. so good and being able to control it from within that uh the ps menu without having to boot out into the spotify app to change the the volume and change the tracks and stuff like that it's a fucking great time. Yeah, I can't find a way to log out of it, so I'm constantly not able to play mine. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. can't, yeah, because his Spotify doesn't work over here. His UK Spotify yeah, doesn't I work in Ireland. I had a new account for my and, iPad. And you didn't, yeah, and didn't you delete the app, reinstall it, and it still has your Spotify data? Yeah. I think I know where that is, and we can get rid of it. Right. Remind me after yeah. this, and I'll, I'll try and figure um, it out for you. I gave There's, the remote play a little... This uh, is what I was going to throw over to you now, because yeah. now uh, with this update... And it seems like something like, with the exception of what Mark is going to talk about, I in my head was like, I am never going to use this. But you were able to remote play. Hacking away here. Yeah, you were able to remote play PS4 on PC and Mac. Yeah. And as Mark pointed out to me, because I was like, that seems pretty cool, but it's something we'd never do. Mark pointed out, wouldn't it be handy to be able to capture streams and bank them rather than use Twitch and have to immediately upload them to YouTube after we do them? Yes. Well, so, Mark, walk us through your um, your experience. Well, I mean, I would say I'm I'm probably one of the rare people where I'm capturing footage by just I captured the entire screen. Like most people are using kind of capture cards and doing it that way. Yeah. Uh, but because I'm doing it off my MacBook, I'm having to do it a different way. The remote play service it works fine, but the the video footage is not. I think it's running like 480 at the moment. Um, it's definitely not like 720. I mean, again, I'm running it off of my MacBook screen, mm. uh, and this laptop is now good four to five years old. So, how does it compare in quality to what we would be doing through Twitch by comparison? It's about the same, to be honest. Yeah. 
and like the um, the the response is. I mean, I'm playing it like pretty much next to the PS4. Yeah. Um, but there's not like I, I couldn't really feel much of a delay. I was playing Super Meat Boy, you know, a game that requires, requires a pretty yeah. immediate response, and I wasn't having any issues with that. Now I've heard and read there's been mixed responses to to this. Yeah. So you know, everyone's gonna kind of have a different experience. As a launch pad, it's like hey, it's a fairly niche idea at the moment, but I can see where it could work. It's kind of like PlayStation now, to be honest, where that's kind of started off as a garbage fire and it's slightly improved. But it's even like Remote Play on Vita. Like the first time I played Remote Play on Vita, I was like, oh, this is garbage. It doesn't work at all. Oh, no, I'll never try it again. Yeah. And then like six or eight months later, actually, no, probably a full year later, I was like, Do you know. I just got Final Fantasy VII, the port, this, um, the PS1 port. Yeah. And I was like, I'd like to play that, but I don't want to bring my PS4 downstairs. We were watching TV down here. I think it was before you even moved here. And I just brought down the Vita and started playing it. It was brilliant. Absolutely flawless. Uh, so, like, eventually, it got they ironed the kinks out. So that, came to, that seems to be the, the phase we're going through now, is that they're trying to iron the kinks out of it. Pretty much. So, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's nothing that you're going to use for the moment, but potentially down the line it might be useful okay um next street fighter 5 finally getting some things yeah some things are happening tell us about it mark uh i mean like guile is coming um i think they uh, added alex last month or a couple of weeks ago um it's starting to have content obviously the big patch with the the story campaign isn't until may june i think june i think yeah so it has stuff now do i still do i want to buy it at the moment no but uh, you know they're getting closer they're currently on track with everything that they've uh, announced which is pretty astounding yeah. in 2016 they're heading to a situation where by june you might be tempted if you had the money when when that is a full game yeah yeah, I would still argue, and I know the incentive was to release it because of the financial year and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But dear God, that game should not have been released in the state it was. Like, performance-wise and everything, it seems great. It seems like it actually... Like, Jeff Gersman is always talking about on Giant Bomb about how it actually is a really good game. Yeah. But he's already gotten sick of it because there's nothing there. Yeah. Which is not what you want. You want a sustaining experience where people are playing Street Fighter V for ages. Yeah, but, like, it's a game that is solely... You can just feel um, it's the kind of game where Capcom were making it with stuff like Evo in mind, you know? Yeah. Like, with well, no... that's the that's the other reason they wanted to get out on time, wasn't it? Because Evo was coming. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Of course, it's the entire reason why. Yeah. And well, that financial year, financial year. Um, but there was no incentive incentive for a casual player like me, none whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and so, short term. I can see why they've done it long term. We'll see. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I thank the Nintendo gods. The NX controller leaked images that appeared on NeoGAF several weeks ago have turned out to be fake. These images that popped up on NeoGAF of a controller that just looked like one flat screen shaped like an oval with two sticks sticking out of it. That looked horrendous, but at the same time, very believable, the way it was done. Yeah. Like, it actually looked like a proper prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason we found out it's fake, because people were kind of just going, oh my god, this is either it, or it's an early iteration of what it's become. But it, people were kind of largely buying into that this was some point during the, the 
the testing, the R&D for the NX uh, were kind of panicking because it looked like shit, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the only reason we found out that it's fake is because the guy who faked it came out and said he faked it. <laughs> because now we live in a world where you can 3D print prototypes of controllers that you make up in your head we can't even believe photographic evidence yeah. of these things anymore nothing is real was it Hideo Kojima that released this what yeah I yeah, know yeah. this feels like what was it what was he did with the fucking Moby Dick Studios that yeah, one yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so like I'm thankful about that which puts us back a step even further in the things we know about the NX uh-huh. to pretty much zero <laughs> uh, which again is what makes me really excited for E3 because it is assumed by most insiders in the industry and I think the Nick uh, Nikkei said it who are usually good at getting the, the, the Japanese business magazine mm-hmm. which is usually really good at getting the inside scoop in Nintendo they are usually like they have a good batting average of yeah. what they say about the inner workings of Nintendo okay. they seem to be suggesting that E3 this year it launches Q3 Q4 this year the game uh, the console is out what? this year yeah <laughs> Did you not hear the news? Oh, and this, I don't know if we reported this in the podcast or it happened in our time. They've stopped production of the Wii U. I knew that. Yeah, they're stopping making Wii U's, which is the, that usually doesn't happen with most consoles until a couple of years into the next console. So that indicates to me either that console is coming out soon or they are selling so badly they don't need to make any more because the ones they have aren't going anywhere. I'm really hoping in a couple of years we get a, a... documentary or just something about the Wii U because it's a very fascinating mm. console from where they the, were with the Wii to the, the Wii U the, the rumours again and this is through Nikkei as well is that apparently it is the console in terms of power is comparable to the Xbox One yeah I've read about that and that's that's pretty great like for them because like the Wii U is such a half step yeah like it wasn't quite as powerful as the PS3 mm-hmm. or the Xbox 360, let alone the PS4 and Xbox One yeah. so the fact that they're caught up with at least the Xbox One like, I wasn't going to hold out wildest dreams and say they were going to catch up in terms of power with PS4 because that thing's a monster. But, uh, yeah, happy about all the things I've heard. We'll put a pin in that for now. Come back to NX Corner in, an, uh, in another episode. Phil Spencer has attempted to put out the panic, the, the panic on the streets about this Xbox 1.1 or whatever they're going to call it, or, you know. Well, I mean, there's that and there's the PS4.1. Five yeah, yeah. So what's, what's we, you, remember, you remember we talked about this, Brian, on, on last week's episode where um, there's the talk. Modular yeah, there's talk of modular consoles and mid cycle iterations on consoles. And where is that going to leave us as a consumer? Like, is it going to be like a new Nintendo 3DS situation where slowly there are going to be games that don't work on my PS4, they'll only work on the PS4 or the PS4K? Yeah. Uh, and same with Xbox 1.5 or 1.2 or whatever. People, it's, people are calling that. I mean, I'll put it like this. The image that keeps being bandied around with that story is, I don't know if it's shop or something like that, for artist's impression of that, but it's of the PS4 with the shiny side with an extra kind of stack on top of it. Well, no, the, so, the extra stack is, that turned out to be... That's the that's, side of 32X. <laughs> no, the extra stack on top of it turned out to be the processing box for VR. Uh, so there's a little box that looks very like a small PS4 that's actually the thing to process the headset because they can't do that inside the machine. Because to, to me, the word modular says 
bits that you add on. Yeah, you can slip in and out of things. And like, there's already yeah. certain modular elements to the PS4 where it's very easy, as we've done. We've all so like, both of us have done a, to slip in and out the hard drive. Like so it was a scenario there where it was you buy the extra add-on yeah. chunk of hardware to put yeah. on your PS4. That would not be so bad. It would yeah. be annoying well, if you see, stop being in my games. my distinct worry when I heard modular was the idea that every year or two. I have to change the graphics card on my PS4. That kind of shit. And I was like, that's why I've stayed away from PC gaming this long. Yeah. Not having to change my graphics card every five minutes is a significant boon to the console gamer. Mm. But anyway, speaking of this mid-cycle alteration or iteration and stuff like that, Phil Spencer, who I think we're going to call an all-around top bloke as approved by the show here. He's a fine lad. I have have rarely heard anything that would make me think otherwise uh, about Phil Spencer. I'm enjoying his bounce. But he has commented on this story. So, this is from Eurogamer again. Uh, Earlier this month, uh, head of Xbox Phil Spencer suggested that Microsoft would release upgraded versions of the Xbox One throughout its life cycle. This was often interpreted to mean Microsoft was brewing up an Xbox One and a half the way Nintendo did with the new 3DS or Sony is allegedly doing with the unannounced PS4K. But it now looks like Spencer's statement uh, may have been more hypothetical than literal as now he's saying he doesn't like the idea of a slightly more powerful 8th generation Xbox. I'm not a big fan of the Xbox One and a half, Spencer (laughs) told Game Informer. If we're going to move forward, I want to move forward in big numbers. I don't know anything about any of the rumours that are out there, but I can understand other teams' motivations to do that. For us, our box is doing well. Uh, It performs, it's reliable, the servers are doing well. Um, Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, If we're going to go forward on anything, like I said, I want it to be a really substantial change for people, an upgrade. So what that tells me is that it's like, unless there's a major breakthrough in... The usual stuff, like, you know, the way about half, like, well, about a third to a halfway through a console cycle, they'll figure out a way to make the parts smaller, make the box smaller, Xbox One Slim. Yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of thing. And maybe then they'll do compatible with 4K. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really think, like, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I don't think it, I, and I would like it explained to me if someone out there listening understands and just tweet me about it. Um... I don't understand why necessarily making a box compatible with 4K resolution means that you have to then have like a new 3DS thing where there are going to be games come out that are only compatible with that. Do you know what I mean? I don't see like, for example, the PS3 was compatible with HDMI and I could play early console, like early PS3 games through HDMI even though they weren't necessarily of that resolution. Yeah. I was not prohibited from playing kind of older games or newer games based on the kind of the output that my box was capable of doing. And I would like to think that maybe the PS4 4K, or the PS4K when it comes out, gives you the option of being able to render things higher, but doesn't rule you out of playing certain games. I mean, like, because this is the kind of thing that happened back in 94, as I made the joke not too long ago there about the 32X, in that you had the Sega Mega Drive for Genesis, then they had the 32X add-on, they had the Sega CD add-on, and then they had uh, the games as well. So there were Sega CD games, Sega 32X games, and then there was also some Sega 32 CD games as well that you could only play if you had all these attachments. Now, I can understand that them doing this back in 1994 because people are stupid and not as completely, <laughs> not educated into understanding 
these are things that you shouldn't be buying. These are marketing gimmicks and that's it. This is 2016. People are a little bit smarter now. And, um, I mean, the whole... Yeah, so are marketing people. True, but, like, people haven't caught onto the whole 4K thing yet, you know? Mm. And the whole reason why is because it's just not financially viable. And it's the same with VR as at well. The same, at the same time, what I will say, and, like, for all the garbage fire that, that console turned out to, the console turned out to be... Blu-ray wasn't really a thing until fucking Sony bit the bullet on a $600 console and then loads of people ended up with Blu-ray players. Yeah. And now Blu-ray is pretty ubiquitous. Do you know what I mean? Like, Blu-ray in some stores now is the dominant form of, like, getting your movies on disc. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, starting, it's starting to take over. I know. I but, like, maybe, maybe something like... What I'm saying is, like, maybe it will take, like, the PS4 co-opting 4K resolution... To kind of shove people along. The reason 4K gaming hasn't gone, apart from it being cost prohibitive, is the fact that there hasn't been the killer app. There hasn't been a significant reason for people to invest in 4K. But if the industry leader in console gaming makes itself compatible with 4K, maybe you think to yourself, okay, well, I've, I've, I'm after buying my PS4 now. Yeah. It's compatible with 4K. Maybe I'll spend the extra two hundred quid and get a four K TV because that tipping point. Two hundred quid. But no, no. What I mean is like, we're, now. no. But we're about like by the time this console is released, we're going to be at a tipping point where you're going to get the mid range four K TVs finally. And that's still not cheap. But no, do you know what I mean? Like it's going to come down. You're not going to get like a massive fucking like wall sized four K yeah. compatible screen. But you're going to be able to get smaller four K TVs that are going to be like. Like, you'll be able to get maybe... I'm, I'm just trying hypotheticals here that are only going to be... It's not going to be so substantially more expensive than HDMI. If you're buying a new PS4 and a TV, though... But if you... Like, what I mean is, like, I've just bought it. You know, I've, I have it a couple of months. It's compatible. Now it's time to upgrade my TV. Mm. Will I go HDMI again? It seems things are starting to go towards 4K. You might be more tempted. Like, I'm not saying I would be. No. But some people might be. Like, that's what it might take. Like, with the Blu-ray thing, again. And like with HDMI in the past, like, it took things starting to move significantly. Like, it took, um, like, TV channels starting to record stuff in HD natively. It took, um, like, consoles having HDMI ports for people to go, do you know what? Next time I buy a TV, I want it either HD ready or I want it full HD. Mm. Like if 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 the idea of the scar. Yeah, if it weren't like if it weren't for that, if it weren't for the fact that like I had had a chance to look at Blu-ray through HDMI or play a PS3 that was connected up through a HDMI in a friend's house, I it might have been a lot longer yeah. before I went over. I, I, I'm totally with you, but all I'm saying is that I think the rate the technology is advancing yeah. is way faster than where the consumer base is to be purchasing. But at the same time, things. but at the same time if you look at Moore's law is that technology gets twice the speed, half the size or half the price every 18 months. Yeah. So you're going to get the old models of 4K that aren't like cuz when they come up with the next gimmick or they come up with like, you know, as a curved 4K or shit like that. Do you know what I mean? No, we are there already. The, but yeah, but that doesn't the, like the the, 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 the the standard bog standard as far as bog standard goes. 4K TV are going to start to drop off. And, like, for people who don't care about 4K, that's great because that means the HDMI compatible TVs that aren't 4K, like the ones we rock, mm. are going to come down as well. Our 400 quid TVs you mean? are going to come down to 300 quid TVs, going to come down to 200 quid TVs. Yeah. And then your bog it's standard 4K TV 
will come down to 600 because the, the, the thing is the first company that that sees that this is where the puck is going that like sees that these consoles are going to start making 4k compatible things that like okay i can sense that within the next 18 months a lot of people are going to start buying machines that have 4k capacity so maybe short term we bite the bullet and reduce the cost of our 4k compatible tvs because the amount of people we will get in to buy our TVs with that is going to make up for the shortfall in the price cut. Yeah, well, that that's, will be that's what I'm thinking. Is like that's like people will upgrade their console before they'll upgrade their TV. The, yeah, the, like the and that's what will force it along. Mm. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like one of the it's things that forced me when I moved here and I needed to get a TV. One of the things that forced me into it was like, right, I have a PS3 that's a Blu-ray player. There's no point in me ever buying Blu-rays or anything like that if I'm just like, I had that old portable TV I've had since my communion when I was eight years old. Yeah. I was like, do you know what? Like, it's time. And the fact that I had a console that was capable of doing HDMI is what made me go to a flat screen TV that was HDMI ready or that was full HD. And I think for some people, that is going to be like, the PS4K is going to do that. But that's like, we're, we're getting real economics heavy here. That went off on the one. Yeah. Bit. <laughs> um, next story. Um, don't know how I feel about this. GameStop uh, announces its publishing division, division called Game Trust. Um, it has acquired, in fairness, um, people you have heard of um, no, to work with them, not, ex- not exclusively. Um, they have Insomniac on board to make a game for them. Insomniac, them who developed uh, that their Resistance, Fall of Man, and one of my personal favorites, Sunset Overdrive. So that's a pretty, like, they're pretty renowned, um, in fairness to them. Uh, the Order 1886 developer, renowned for different reasons, uh, Ready at Dawn. Uh, the Spanish studio Tequila Works and Finnish studio Frozenbite, most known for the Trine series, on board. Uh, Game Trust is looking at developing games at about the $15 million budget mark. So kind of mid-range yeah. uh, sort of publishing. Presumably there's going to be um, kind of like... Because they'll be released as GameStop exclusives and stuff like that, you're probably going to get kind of, um, you know, there's there's going to be all sorts of bundles and stuff like that. But and, this is you know, you know, maybe reductions if you're a member in GameStop yeah, and stuff th- like th- that. This and, is interesting though because if they are going for, as you say, they're that kind of mid-range publisher slash studio kind of area, which had kind of been gone out of existence. Yeah, like there's no one that's made acclaims. Yeah, claims. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that that is really interesting, um, and it's actually, I mean, fair enough. The order is is a terrible game, but so terrible, yeah, but so terrible. It's a complete, it's a completely new way. Like it's a new approach. It's a, a new thing that um, these maybe like smaller development studios that get a little bit of money behind them, get a little bit of a boost, um, now have you know even more of a viable platform to get games out there and get a little bit of money behind them. So like this is, it. it it's kind of exciting, you know. This this could be a, a brand new uh, avenue for studios that might have not had any options beforehand. So yeah, I'm I'm on board with this. Yeah, um, to me, it's kind of um, it's it. Well, they it, gotta do something. This is the thing. Like to me, it stinks very much. Of GameStop can see what's coming and sees everyone moving towards digital purchase of games, yeah. and they need but to figure out anything to keep people coming into the shop. Well, like, fair play to No, but, you know, it's a smart strategy, but, like, my my thing is, is it a thing where, like, they're going to be releasing good games or they're going to be churning out stuff that's so just enough of an excuse to keep... 
but like it what I mean is like mid-range stuff that like will be released and the goal of which is it incentivizes you to be like say a level 3 member because you can get a game for only a fiver whereas we'll sell it for 35 euro normally or something like that yeah. that in their heads they're not thinking of let's make good games and make money off it so we can stay a business it's more like let's dear god keep the people in the shop let's bar the doors once they come in until they buy something that kind of strategy well that's the kind of thing where it will be a, a very simple case of people will vote with their wallets and if there is the quality there for them to come into shops to buy it they will and if they don't you know it, it certainly is a kind of GameStop trying to double down with what they have left that they can um, kind of get their hands on in, but I mean in like in, vi- in video games and I mean like I suppose in, in entertainment media in general like it's very hard to make people like your shit. They either will like it or they won't. Like, I yeah. mean, and that works out good ways and bad ways. Like, you know, that's why we have umpteen Call of Duty iterations and that's why Adam Sandler keeps getting to make films. You know, but at the same Call time... films. But then, at the same time, that's why we end up with, you know, No Man's Sky's coming out soon. Bioshock Infinite happened. Mm. You know... No, that's a fair point. And speaking of which, excellent segue... Brian, uh, you were reading into this week. There have been some more developments, some more scant details out about this little game called No Man's Sky you might have heard of. Well, the little indie publisher had yeah. games. Tell us about No Man's Sky, the last game we will ever need. Yeah, um, it, it's, it sounds like it's really going to be my kind of game, man. Um, so yeah, what we know already... You're out in space, it's super huge, and you can go and do anything and be anything and explore and trade and be a space pirate or, you know, create an imperial space navy with your clan and shit and go and rule a huge segment of the massive, massive, massive universe. You know, um, I've been, you know, I've moved to a new team and work and I've been boring them about how excited I am about this game and, you know banding around where it's like 18 quintillion planets <laughs> but yeah um so what we've seen kind of ign got in there you know gone from gone up from okay we got to play 12 minutes of, the, of um no man's sky to okay we got to play two hours of no man's sky uh and what's really come across is yeah all those things they said that we could do they there are the things that we're doing um there seems to be some interaction with alien races which will you know affect how how you perceive them will affect how that whole race will perceive you and lots of detail and learning and collecting information but the really kind of the bit that seems to be coming across is resource collection and resource management would be the name of this game mm-hmm. You want to shoot something with your weapon? Well, you're going to need ammo. How are you going to get ammo? You're not going to buy it. You're not going to pick it up off all enemies. You're going to collect the resources required for it. Yeah. And you're going to craft it. Your space energy shields... Doesn't, oh, that's the actual name. I really do. Um, doesn't regenerate like in Halo 5. Yeah. If you hide behind a rock, you're going to need to uh, go find the materials that it's powered by and craft some fuel cells for it. You want to fly your spaceship across the galaxy? You'll need some fuel for that. You'll need to find the resources for that. So what it appears to be is that your kind of your exploration is going to be driven by your need for resources. It's basically, from what I'm gathering from this conversation, space Minecraft. 
To an extent, yeah, I think there's going to be an element to that. Like, Everything is resource driven. Any project you might undertake, whereas in like Minecraft, it might be building something or you know, kind of going on an adventure somewhere. It's all going to need to be fueled by like some resource management and some kind of some mining and stuff like that to go and find. Um, and apparently your weapon appears to be a multi-purpose tool for collecting or mining for resources and fighting enemies and that. Like, what was the one thing came up in the IGN coverage they had of it was okay. He wanted what was it? He wanted I think uh, to craft hyperdrive, hyperdrive engine. So he went down to this planet looking for parts and that, and he. You know, did a scan, went looking at some mineral resource, tried to identify some mineral resource that he found, and no, they weren't what he was, what he was looking for. But it turned out they were key components for uh, upgrading his rebreather for his spacesuit, so he could go underwater. And this was a very watery planet, so I was like, oh, maybe the resource I'm actually looking for is underwater here. So, you know, and one thing leads to another. You know, um, okay. so. Yeah, like it's it is gonna be a case whereby you're gonna have to have your stockpile of resources go out and spend the time to explore and find for it. And when you're looking for blue crystals of a certain type of silicate to do one thing, you're gonna find some other stuff to help you with other things you hadn't put in your little plan. There's gonna be a lot of I think there's gonna be a lot of on a Saturday morning I'm gonna log in and I'm gonna say, Right, I'm gonna get some parts for my hyperdrive and then eight hours later you're gonna knock in and say man do you want to get takeaway by the way did you get your hyperdrive it's like no but i've yeah. got bionic legs now i can't play this game you'll be gone i'll be gone, no. gone forever is he is he yeah like i mean the thing is it sounds like stardew valley with you know space graphics yeah in space yeah space. Space. yeah i'm really excited for that game that game is out in june of this year if it holds to its deadline uh, God say it's God us. hopefully it does it feels like we're really near the finish line now let's not fuck it up um, that is the news for this week um, this is more succinct than usual we kind of boiled it down to the, uh, the key stuff for this week uh, let's move on the book club this week a game very close to my heart I hold it very very dearly uh, this week's book club is Doom Doom <laughs> Typeset as DOOM in all caps in official documents is a 1993 science fiction horror-themed first-person shooter video uh, first-person shooter video game. 
uh, developed by id software it is considered one of the most significant and influential titles in the video game industry for having ushered in the popularity of the first person shooter genre the original game was divided into three nine level episodes and was distributed via shareware and mail order the ultimate doom an updated release of the original game featuring a fourth episode was released in 1995 and sold at retail in doom players assume the role of an unnamed space marine who became popularly known as doom guy fighting his way through hordes of invading demons from hell with one-third of the game, nine levels distributed as shareware, Doom was played by an estimated 15 to 20 million people within two years of its release, which is staggering. Popularizing the mode of gameplay and spawning a gaming subculture. In addition to popularizing the FPS genre, it pioneered immersive 3D graphics, network multiplayer gaming, and support for customized editions and modifications via packaged files in a data archive known as WADS. As a sign of its effect on the industry, first-person shooter video games from the genre's boom in the 1990s, held in no small part by the game's release, became known as Doom Clones. Its graphic violence, as well as satanic imagery, made Doom the subject of controversy. Doom, gentlemen. Doom. The first game I ever played. Really? The very first video game I ever played. A I was, shame on your family. I was raised correctly. <laughs> I was sat down in front of my father's old uh, MS-DOS computer when I was but a wee chap. Sat on his lap with a can of coke in hand. And was thrust into this world of s- satanic... Uh, Mayhem. Demons in space, pentagrams, and whatnot. yeah, um, and like words, like phrases that is knee deep in the shores of the dead and uh-huh. stuff like this. And this is the, the I can't believe it's taken us this long to get to this because this well, there's a lot of games out there. It oh. is this game's fault that I am the way I am, that I play video games. Right. Arguably, it is also why I'm desensitized to violence. Yep. Fair enough. Um, it is also probably why I am almost nightmare proof at this stage is because at that age I was playing shit that looked like that. Giant spider brains. Because in the early... Yeah, gorillas, because gorillas like, it looks... Yeah, it looks its age now but back then this was the realest shit. It still looks pretty good. No, it does no, but it, it, it doesn't look dated in a bad way but it does look dated like, I it's think clearly something from the 90s I think it's aged more gracefully than Goldeneye yeah it has oh yeah, yeah. it has but because like with the 3D graphics like, like the frame rate holds much better yeah well it depends um, on which version you play oh yeah that's true um, oh, where do you even start about Doom right Doom is like the Mac Daddy the godfather of multiplayer shooting um, I would argue until Modern Warfare 1, it is possibly the most influential shooter in the history of video games. Oh, absolutely. It's one of the with most influential the possible, games. With the possible exception of something like maybe Quake is on a par with it, or like in on, the same... Depending on the angle you want to go from. But yeah, and obviously Quake you can say it shares a lot of it, it shares uh, a lot of influence with it as well, uh, Return to Castle Wolfenstein. But here's the thing, here's the thing. So, Doom is Wolfenstein 3D, yeah. but with Atmosphere. Yeah, it's the key difference. So way better because oh, you know, yeah, like it's a thing that tracks through to my playing of video games now. Is that atmosphere is first and foremost for me in in games like this, um, gentlemen. Um, before I kind of this turns into a very didactic uh, book club segment, mm-hmm. um, experiences interactions with Doom, uh, Brian. A long, long time ago, I played in a the bit galaxy too- far, far away. Well. 
south of Lair, near Castle Armagh. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, like in the days before I had consoles and when the only PC games I played were RTSs, um, I sampled Doom and Quake. Um, like I didn't play, F- play FPSs until I hit the consoles, which was, well, a long time ago, but a lot later than that. Mm-hmm. So, limited, can't say I ever finished this, can't say I ever played more than a couple of hours, like, but I mean, I've played Doom clones, like, and that in, in college on my laptop and things, and it's unmistakable, like, yeah. you know, it, it is quintessential, iconic you when you see a doom clone or when you see doom you know that's doom there's yeah. no am, there's no ambiguity there there's yeah. no second guessing there's no is it or is it no it's doom yeah it you can see doom's dna in almost every shooter that's followed mm-hmm. in history it like just in terms of like it just boggles the mind that multiplayer online shooters weren't a thing till Doom whacked its dick on the table and then what up, right? <laughs> Big red demon dick. That's like this was where it started. Oh, no, wait, so nice. in some respects, you can blame Doom now for the fact that you're getting schooled by ten year olds who are saying all sorts of things they'll do to deceased family members, right? right? <laughs> that like. You know, for better or worse, the entire shooter genre has to bow down at the altar of Doom. It's going back and playing it um, now. Depending again, like you said, depending on what version you play. I played through Steam a little bit. You played through Steam a little bit. I still insist there's a reasonably good uh, GBA port of it. Uh, you uh, had particularly harsh words to say about the the, the SNES port of it, isn't it? Well, what I was going to say um, to Karen from Brian in terms of my... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, my apologies. No, that's right. My my original experience. So I didn't have a PC growing up. Uh, my original uh, introduction to Doom came with the PS1 version. Right. Uh, up until that point, I had played, mostly in my lifetime, a lot of uh, Micro Machines, Mega Man, Mario... A little bit of Zelda, a little bit of Donkey Kong, bright, colourful, whatever. Solid. And then I'm sat down and I'm introduced to Doom. Mm-hmm. And it terrified me because mm-hmm. I am quite the bitch. Yeah. I am, and I'm self certified with that. I'll do that. I, like, I used to, I remember at the age of, and like, this is part of, like, I used to have, I remember getting school reports home when I was in early primary school going, is saying that, like, I had an unnaturally large vocabulary for a yeah. child my age and stuff like that. Like, I remember doing things like, going through all the readmes on MS-DOS explaining like the lore behind the demons and stuff <laughs> like that like which explains like why I, I knew what the phrase rigor mortis meant when I was about four or five <laughs> apparently according to my auntie who like frequent uh, frequently tells that story at family get-togethers but um like I'm, I'm, I'm just, just looking at it just, just to talk gonna, to talk about go on yeah sorry I'm just gonna stop you there because we're filming or recording this filming recording this in, in dim lighting and I my face is illuminated by the laptop is yeah and creepy. there's like a, a red corona around your irises like the reflection of flames in those damn glasses right, damn right it's the fires of passion my friend just to go through just to go, right just to go through the list of uh places this is available right the doom is available so it's available on ms dos next step os2 irix solaris mac os linux windows uh acorn at the atari jaguar sega 32x snes playstation 3do sega saturn game boy advance xbox xbox 360 playstation 3 the tap wave zodiac 
and the iPhone and iPod Touch. So be, be, what was to the be second fair. last thing? I have no idea. To be <laughs> fair, it's it's a terrible port on at least half of those. Yeah, but like it just goes to show that like people will still play Doom. Yeah, well, like in whatever way they can get it. I mean, it's as you said, it's so friggin' influential. And like as I've been saying about uh, when we were talking about the the new Doom co- co- game coming out, um, maybe not so much Doom, but where that off shot to with Quake and Unreal in terms of like the arena shooter mm-hmm. that's where my, like my passion comes in but when I was doing my video game design course Doom was a game where in terms of um, exploration you know yes. it's and not this... just a shooter it's you know you have these maps that you have to explore and you have to find the red key card or whatever to find that door that's locked to get you onto the next area I fucking hate that shit and there's that progression where you have your um, kind of uh, like guards who have been possessed who are just your kind of cannon fodder and there's that next level up to the demons that have their mm. projectiles and you can see that progression through the the, the maps that you have to explore and the secrets yeah. to the like, enemies I think it's safe to say that John Carmack the creator of Doom is an evil genius yes yes he is um, it is certainly like I, I do hear that not, not just from you the idea that it is like a really good template for how to build a game oh absolutely it is an incredible case study yeah um, in and terms like, of like so like you said the, the enemy progression the way the maps are laid out and stuff like that it's very very especially at the time it was very very unique because like, you know you're talking about the majority of games at this point are side scrolling point to point yeah. whereas this is very uh, and I've said this word already on this podcast I don't mean to double up but labyrinthine like yeah. kind of like it's not very obvious which way you have to go at no, any one really time um, like it will be for the seasoned player who can like uh, like I can get to the end of most levels by muscle memory at this point like if I fired up the game I could remember where the end of it I don't have to like try and find the end but um, the like the key card system for getting through it's not just like where you can access every area of a level from the start. You have to go find the MacGuffin to get you through to the second part and then to the third part and stuff like that. Um, a nice it is um probably the the first game where there is enough of a variation in weaponry that it gives you um, multiple ways to approach combat situations. Yeah, like the weapons it use, like the pistol that only chumps use. Yeah. But as you said, the the, the weapons hey. can very much vary how you play the game. You know, the shotgun is that kind of crowd control room. Yeah. And then you've got the chain gun, which can sort of help kind of clear out some the kind of bullet sponges. You've got the quickly. bazooka, the... which just looks like a barrel that shoots fire and death. Yeah, and then those, those few moments where you get to use like the rocket launcher or the BFG. Oh, the BFG. Um, which, by the way, can I just say, as an aside, and I, I'm loath to mention it, but the Doom movie... <laughs> Right. Underappreciated gem. No, no. <laughs> there is, there are two moments in that that are awesome. The first person sequence. The first person sequence is the best first person sequence ever. It's amazing mm-hmm. because it's proper. He's moving like Doom guy as he's going along. The other part is like there's a whole thing throughout the game. It's like BFG. What does BFG mean? And, the and then he, it. the Rock, finds it and goes BFG big fucking gun mm-hmm. right pop for that when yeah. I saw the movie yeah. other than that dog shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll not hear good words said about it Brian oh um, man Karen Irvin no it's awful <laughs> it's awful yeah not that one though <laughs> going back to one of the things we said about it being atmospheric yes like for a game in 1993 to have you, atmosphere you sit down you put some headphones on you've got that soundtrack not just that but you've got the screams uh, uh. and the howls of the enemies and they all have distinctive sounds yeah. So it's one of those games, like, so oh. early on, where 
you're in a room or there's a room coming up and you yeah. can't see but you can hear what's coming can I, can I say also uh, a favourite weapon of mine when I think about it the plasma gun oh plasma that's badass oh, we'll yeah. continue um, but like even in 1993 because there are games today that don't even have that you know like yeah. and as well this kind of open-ended almost kind of open world labyrinth as you say type environment to explore you know a lot of first yeah. person shooters today are very linear but this you know you are free to explore yeah. on your own merit and like some of the some of the settings like you see like the, the scorched skies and you yeah. see like the the pools of lava or acid and you see like bodies in the distance impaled on spikes yeah. and like there's there's nothing right that quite compares to the first time now obviously i would have been a lot younger than either you when this happened nothing that quite compares to the unique terror of the first time you're cornered in a room and you meet your first kaku demon mm-hmm. this just massive ball of evil yeah. with horns shooting fireball that and shit like this that like is just floating towards you real creepily uh, or the flaming skulls um like the just the, like it's incredible like you said the the atmosphere that's created in this game all the satanic imagery um just everything about it like it's just it, it is a, it is a landmark in video games for a reason um it is one of the things I really like about it, and it's a thing that follows through to today. It's a thing I really appreciate when it's in first-person shooters, that it moves quickly. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's no sense of dragging. There's no sense of, like, okay, this is just stalling because the game can't fucking load the draw distance. Or, like, it's moving slowly just for dramatic tension or something like that. Like, again, the, the, the problem I have with Gears of War about it, the feeling like a roller cage full of cinder blocks. Like, it just, you zip around that map. Yeah. You know, you run around, like, and it, it makes it very dynamic to try and, like, you know, you can kind of strafe around enemies and stuff like that. And, and you know what? It's, even now in 2016, the the the, sh- the animation and the, the killing of someone is very, very satisfying. You yeah. know, the animation of when they just fucking blow up with a shotgun. Firing off around the shotgun, seeing a little bit of smoke come up it's and just the body crumple. not satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Um interestingly that it is like such that there is such profound gore and all these kind of like again horribly violent and satanic images in it and yet it wouldn't be till till then it wasn't the the bugbear of the uh of uh kind of u.s government in the way the mortal combat was which is strange no well it's probably which is strange to me it's not to me it's not to me i can see no that's what i'm saying it wasn't no, but I, I can see the very clear demarcation between the gore of Doom and the gore of Mortal Kombat. But and you're talking... But what I'm... The, the point I'm making, and I probably didn't make it well enough, is that you got to think about this is during the 90s, which was the time of the satanic panic in the US. Yeah, so yeah. I, think, I think... anything linked to Satanism was the worst. I still think that Doom was, like, was on the undercurrent, you know? It was well, because, well, because it was hidden away on the PC, which is considered for grown-ups very much at the time yeah. I, I'll give Mortal you that Kombat yeah. was the thing that oh look it was this on... is Sonic oh wait this is Mortal Kombat yeah it was on the console that Sonic and Mario were on mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, I'll versus, give you that Capcom versus Nintendo like it was Sonic again Sonic versus Sub-Zero the, the id canon are what raised me on video games like the three the three games I played first Doom Return to Castle Wolfenstein and Commander Keen mm-hmm. and then like the idea that years later there's uh, the they conf- someone in id confirmed that it is a shared universe yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is fucking <laughs> mental <laughs> like it's so mental that they're all Blaskowitz family members yeah. um which is awesome but um 
yeah, it's like, it is, it's impossible. You can't overstate enough. Like, you can't, how important it is to the history of video games. Like, it's one of those games, if you're going to say uh, top five or top ten most influential games, or top yeah. ten most important games, yeah. it's, you have to go somewhere to convince someone that Doom shouldn't be on this list. Yeah, well, and it's one of those things where, like, if you ask somebody in the 90s, true to possibly, well, maybe not today with the kind of, like, how much kind of gaming has taken over popular culture, but if you'd certainly asked, up to the turn of the 2000s, he's just a random person on the street who wasn't a gamer. Name five video games. There's a good chance Doom was going to be one of them. Potentially, yeah. You know, after Sonic, Mario, it, yeah. the well starts to run dry for most people. They might say Mortal Kombat because of the press controversy. And then, like, Doom is kind of... Like, amongst my friends who aren't gamers anymore, they still remember Doom. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, they just remember it. It was it was talked about. It was the kind of game that, like, you were cool if you played. Because it was, it was a grown-up <laughs> game and we yeah. were kids. So, like, I was unusually cool in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> I think definitely just, like, from what I said at the start, though, that what gives this game such an appeal is the fact that it... I, it has aged gracefully, you know. It really like, like it, you. You played it last like. night on Steam. Yeah, playing it on Steam on like a reasonably powered uh, PC on a forty-inch screen in like and the I, true you know, HDMI port, and it like looks looked at home. I mean, I I've played your Game Boy Advance version. That runs fine. That it's kind of awkward to control with yeah. a D pad. Yeah. Um, the SNES and Mega Drive ports are fucking garbage. Yeah. There is one port that I can't remember. I think it might be the 32X version that, or the Jaguar version, and it has no sound. It's one of the like the smoothest running versions, but there's mm-hmm. no music, and it actually makes it that little bit more scarier because all you've got is like the howls of the enemies and uh, kind of screaming around the the arenas. Um, so that's a pretty cool version. But yeah, for the most part, like get your hands on the, the Steam version or the 360 version actually runs really well as well. Yeah. Um, if I was to think about an elevator pitch for this to, to sum it up, because I can't really, like, especially for the time, when I look at it in the context of the time it came out, I can't really find faults six in it at all. Six words. That's your elevator pitch. What six words? Oh, no, that's not, but that's not what we do. We're actually just No, no, I can't, no I'm literally, because I'll tell you the six words. If you play video games, you play Doom. Yeah, that's a good one. What's this your favorite is where it all began. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, if you play video games, if you have any interest in the history behind video games at all, it is utterly criminal for you to not have uh, looked at Doom. Doom is available in enough formats and is available cheaply enough that you can pick it up on Steam. It doesn't require... Like, I could play it quite co- competently off my laptop. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't require the most amount of horsepower to play in the world. Boy, was it nice to go back and play something where you need to pick up health packs again. Yeah, <laughs> right? Um... It is, like I said, it is one of the most important video games in history. It still plays great today. It's not like some of the PS2 games. Like when we played Mad Max on this show, that game does not fucking hold up at all. Yeah. Um, Max Payne, you mean? What did I say? Mad Max. Yes, Max Payne. Sorry, my apologies. Yes, Max Payne does not hold up. Like it does not. It, it, It When Brian tried to play Manhunt. You know what I mean? These are famous examples of like us going back to games that aren't even that long ago yeah. and it's hard to play them now. Yeah. Knowing, like the way controlling video games is developed now you go back uh, to doom and it's second nature it's so simple it's so simple how it controls and the to sum it up in a sentence how important this game is in my life how influential this game has been and i keep saying this to you off the air 
I still know the cheat codes to doom in my head. I still have them 20 years later. I know that IDKFA is going to unlock all the weapons and get your keys and shit like that. I know, I think it's IDDQD is the god mode where you're invincible yeah. and you have like unlimited ammo and shit like that. Um, it's like, if I, if I sat down and thought about it, I could get you, there's a code, there's a one called ID Behold and then you follow it with one letter and depending on the letter you can unlock um, the radiation suit and you can brighten up the game and things like that with that cheat code. Like that's how, that's how into this game I was at that age. Yeah. That's how important this game is for me. It and is look where you are now. Yeah, it is on my Desert Island discs for video games. It is on my, it will, I doubt it will ever move from my top 10 favorite games of all time. Mm. Um, it is that important to me. That is Doom. We are done now. We only have one more bit of business. And that is to turn to the man to my right, young O'Brien. It has been decreed that it is your turn to pick the book club game of the week for episode 27, it will be. So, Brian, please give us a bit of preamble. Tell us what your game is. You already told us that you think Mark is going to be upset. See, I was going to say one thing, but now I think I'm going to say another. Oh, look at this guy. Changeable like the wind. Yes, it is my chief characteristic. <laughs> Being like Gam Rangi once said, she was like a candle in the wind. Unreliable. <laughs> on that too. Um, no, just, there was a comment that you made there while we were talking about the Venerable Doom. Yes. And I'm possibly going to have a senior moment because I know I've said about doing this before and I can't remember if you said no or if we did talk about it. Well, we're about to find out. We're about to find out. I was going to say, you know, how about we dip our toe into the, well... The one shining light in the cesspool of modern FPSs. Do it. Modern Warfare One. Oh yes, let's yeah, do that. I'll let's do, that. do it. Let's go with another. Let's go. Let's finish off this kind of like little mini series of shooters. Now. Yeah, so we, we have, have Goldeneye, yeah. Doom, Modern Warfare. I'm good for Modern Warfare. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So Call of Duty Modern Warfare One. Well, Call of Duty Four. Call of yes, Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare One Liverpool Nil. <laughs> will be our game next week <laughs> thank you Yahtzee for that incredible joke I stole <laughs> it was a Half-Life 2 episode 2 Millwall 1 yeah. <laughs> it's one of the finer jokes I've ever heard um, so that'll do it for another episode of Link to the Cast um, if you want to contact us for our mailbag or just say hi to us because Brian does enjoy getting a little hi getting a little we appreciate the work you're doing give him a pat on the back there uh, send us an email link to the cast at gmail.com hit us up on twitter if social media is your thing you're not into the whole if email has passed you by email has gone the way of snail mail Brian oh the, no cool kids email anymore Brian it's all about the social media see right? I love the fact that for the first time listeners Dave after weeks of saying it actually prepared his list and it's, it's of, showing of, isn't of, it because you're full of banter now because oh, you're not struggling you to oh, remember I've, I've pulled up my Lols Royce here the banter <laughs> bus is fucking spinning around the park here <laughs> no I'm sorry I need a minute I need a minute oh Brian's off on the rafflecopter there you can hit us up on Twitter we're at link to the cast you can grab us individually on Twitter either I'm at Dave Ryan IV Mark is at Lithium Project Brian is at Cargin C-A-R-G-I-N 4107 
Facebook, if that's your thing, if you'd like to give Mark Zuckerberg your time, go to facebook.com forward slash link the cash. You can find us there. You'll also see on the Twitter and Facebook, you'll get updates on all the things we're doing on YouTube. And uh, we do not have youtube.com forward slash link to the gas because we need to get past a certain threshold of views and followers so before they'll allow us to. Cus- Please help the us custom that. URL mode has gone incredibly convoluted. So we're working on that. We will have it at Someday. some stage, but uh, it might be a while yet. So you will see the stuff from our, you'll be able to find our YouTube through Facebook and Twitter because whenever we upload a YouTube video, the links are posted through social media and on our website, link to the cast.wordpress.com. If you want to see our playthroughs as they are happening, myself and Mark tend to do a couple of live streams a week. We have one daily series which goes up on YouTube, which I, for the life of me, wanted to call Pokemates, but was blocked on that one. So it's called, Dave, it's called Dave and Mark Play Pokemon Blue. And that is that goes up Monday to Friday every week. Now we're back in... Why the, was I not allowed to be a tiebreaker on that? that is, I know. I should have thought of that. That is... That goes up Monday to Friday every week. 15 minute videos. Us playing through Pokemon Blue from start to finish. Um, This week is all about us trying to get the fuck out of the rock tunnel. And not knowing how even though we had the map in front of us. And talking about anything but what's going on on the screen. It's a fun series. We enjoy recording it. Hopefully you enjoy watching and listening to it. Uh, We also have two weekly series. That are one of them that's ongoing. And one of them that's about to start. We have our weekly series where myself and Mark are agog at the happenings in heavy rain. Um, where catch, every week it is my game with Irenus. Every week, Mark does horrible impressions that's of David the Cage. Worst French accent I have Mark ever Robinson. heard. You see, I don't know. That's, that's people, the worst. People who just don't, people who just listen to the podcast and don't listen to the streams haven't fully understood Mark Robinson, master of accents before. <laughs> see, Every that's stream, racist and not against French people. Oh no, he's been racist against his own people. His his English accents yeah, well, are right, terrible. Yeah. His English accents are terrible. Yeah. Look, listen to our listen to our YouTube content, and you'll hear some of those gloriously bad accents. But the, uh, yeah, so we do heavy rain once a week. Usually over the weekend, we put up an hour of heavy rain. And like every week, it goes through the thing where we start off every stream going, Jesus, I don't know if I want to come back to this. But then usually like the last 20 minutes go so bananas crazy that we're like, okay, no, this is pretty good. This game's pretty good. This game's pretty weird. This week, there was real uncomfortable moments as David Cage made us leer at a woman in the shower. Tune into YouTube for that weirdness. Um, we're also going to be starting a weekly uh, YouTube series this week that is going to have kind of a revolving cast where I'm going to be sitting in the driver's seat playing it and I'm going to have some combination of the 2E or 1E depending on who's available at the time where I am going to play Dark Souls 3 in a series that we are tentatively titling Dim Souls. And I thought about lengthening it to Dim Souls, two men's journey into a game they don't particularly want to play. <laughs> um, but look out for that during the week. As soon as we get a chance to do that, we're going to do it. Uh, but if you want to see all that as it's happening, subscribe to us or follow us whatever way you do it over on Twitch. It's twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast. And one more time, it is the website where all this content is centralized. It's linked to the cast.wordpress.com. That's where you find this podcast. If you're not already finding it through SoundCloud and iTunes, please do go on to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, um, give us a review. It really helps with our search engine optimization. Helps us stay up there on the new and noteworthy for video games on the store, which we really appreciate. One more thing, which I keep meaning to do every single week, um, is to give a shout-out for the cover art that is on our podcast, all, all over our website, that you can see that lovely pixelated cover art. Comes courtesy of our friend and erstwhile uh, wrestling pundit, on the show uh, Amo version 1 he's at Amo V1 on Twitter so once again for a link to the cast I have been Dave Ryan 
You have been Mark Robinson. You have been Brian McNamara. And I think an honourable mention has to go to the power of taking notes. Indeed, sir. This has been linked to the cast and we shall see you down the road. <laughs>